How's it going, guys? And welcome back to the First in Tech podcast. I'm your host, Jalen Harrington. And I am Wade Bowman, the assistant sports editor. Yeah, I, I'm sure you're surprised. You thought that that was going to be Tristan Tucker, managing editor. Nope. Fresh blood in the house. Wade. Even better. Wade, how does it feel to be here? Oh, it feels fantastic. I told Tristan to kick rocks. I'm going to give the people a real podcast this week. That's what we love to see. All right. Let's just go ahead and dive into it then. NC State, after losing Chandler Savala for the year, after losing Isaiah Moore for the year, um, came back and was the same old NC State defense. It was, yeah. I think the defense really stepped up to play uh, in a big way. But, I mean, some obvious gaps left behind by the losses. But, I mean, Drake Thomas, man. What, what a guy. What a way to step up for a team that really needs it when the linebackers are pretty much the lifeline of this defense. Yeah, and it's, it's shocking that that continues to be the case. If someone had told me coming into today that, you know, NC State was going to hold Louisville to 13 points and win by 15, I would have told them I want what they're having. Yeah, I mean, if you would have told me that at halftime, I would have told you you were crazy because Louisville was moving. Yeah. But they figured it out. Yeah, I I think the biggest thing that, that jumped out to me was just just how much of a disparity there was between watching the game and the scoreboard. Yeah, absolutely. Like for Louisville to only score seven points in the first half when it felt like they were getting whatever they wanted offensively. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about just what type of a performance you saw because you were at the game. You I, know? Was, I was. What, what was the experience like in the stands and what were you seeing? Well, the entire time, I was very, very nervous about how our secondary would kind of react to a dual-threat quarterback. You know, we have plenty of pressure threats in the secondary, uh, namely Tanner Ingle, obviously. But in coverage is where this team really falls off, trying to mark up man-to-man. And I think Cunningham was playing great at the half. There were a couple missed throws down deep. That's going to happen. It's college football. Louisville is Louisville. You know, we weren't expecting to play in Alabama or in Ohio State. But they're moving the ball fantastic for who they are. And, you know, I big question marks about how that secondary would step up to play. But I, th- I think they did okay at managing when they had to. Obviously, a lot of the threat from Louisville came from the rush game, which the linebackers and front line did an okay job at shutting down in the first half at least, in the second half is when they kind of figured it out a little more. And uh, getting pressure to Malik Cunningham was a big key for how NC State was able to pull away with this game. You're right. And and I think, yeah, this secondary really does kind of continue to play with fire uh, in the past game. You know, there were a lot of deep shots that Malik Cunningham was taking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one time it really made Malik pay. Two more times it should have with, with Aiden White in position for an interception. But one time it really got NC State in that 76-yarder that they took to the house. I mean, it's unfortunate to see, but I'm going to go ahead and let you say your piece on Tanner Engel if that's bubbling up inside you. Listen, What, what, what are your thoughts on the, on, on the star player? Listen, Tanner Engel, there's probably no chance you're listening to this. <laughs> but if you do, I have a family. Please do not hurt me. But watching you play in coverage physically pains me. I just very rarely do I see Tanner Engel make good football plays in coverage. We've had this discussion before outside of the podcast that he would literally be a perfect linebacker if it wasn't for his body because that's exactly how he plays. And you see the successes of these guys in the NFL who are more 
uh, like pass rush threats than coverage threats coming out of the secondary, you know, namely a guy like Jamal Adams, you know, Blitz Boy, mm-hmm. as he's come to be known. And that's kind of what Tanner Ingle is for this team, but where Jamal Adams, and obviously this is a horrible comparison because Jamal Adams is a professional athlete who's literally cream of the crop and Tanner Ingle is Tanner Ingle, but <laughs> where Jamal Adams gets a step up is his build and his size and his athleticism, which I think that Tanner Ingle just kind of lacks when it comes to keeping up with somebody one-on-one. Yeah, uh, and I think, you know, the other thing is, you know, Jamal Adams, even for his size, I think that that man's probably about six feet tall. Yeah. It, Tanner, I don't know what Tanner's listed as, uh, but again, 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 like Wade said, Tanner, if you're listening to this, don't hurt me. Um, I'll sit next to Tanner, okay? Yeah. Tanner is not whatever they have him listed to be. No. That man... To me, he's a good 5'8". And so, you know, he's doing the best he can. No, I mean, I agree. He's doing I, the best he can out there. I think, you know, whenever you put him in a position where he's got to check somebody one-on-one, especially with, you know, the look that they had called. They called a cornerback blitz. Yeah. Which is one thing to call. That's fine, I guess. But also, they didn't show it, yeah. which you kind of want to do with the blitz. Right. The problem is, when you don't show it, you're telling Tanner, hey, you're up as a middle high safety. I need you to rotate down at the snap and cover a guy who's running past you. Good Lord. I can only imagine. <laughs> I can only imagine what was going through Tanner's head during that play. Epithets. Out, outside slurs. of the smoke coming out of his ears from his brain trying to figure out what it means to play in coverage <laughs> like, and rotate behind the man. It's just that he had no shot. He was set up. To fail, yeah. and I'll, I'll I'll let you know something. They didn't call another corner blitz. No, it didn't happen again in that game, for good reason. No, I I think that this is this whole idea of coverage versus run support is something that is common in this secondary. Yeah, and it's really just a philosophy from NC State because you know you saw in the past couple weeks, Aiden White started playing a lot more. Right, he started playing a lot more uh, to replace Derek Pitts. Yeah. Derek Pitts is great as a run stopper, as a tackler. Yeah. Not so great in coverage. No. And that has just been the theme of this secondary all year is I can't really put a finger on any guy yeah. who is even good in pass coverage. Shy- it just feels like a liability when there's any quarterback who can find anyone deep. I think I think Shaheem's, you know, the closest yeah, that no, you've got okay. to it. Shaheem has had good games. Yeah. He's the closest you've got to a shutdown corner. Yeah. He's as close as you can get to, all right, if he's on this side, you feel really good. Yes. Aiden White, he's just young. He he's is. got the potential, he and he's got the ball-hawking skills. He's, but, and he's shown it. Mm-hmm. But the opposing quarterbacks exa- know exactly what they're coming into against Aiden White, and it's one of the things that Tyler Van Dyke had a field day with in the oh, Miami yeah. game. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just it's a situation where, you know, those aren't five-star corners right. on the on each end. This is not going to be Revis Island. It's not no. going to be, it's speaking of not. Jamal Adams, it's not, you know, that uh, secondary of old. Yeah. Uh, the Legion of Boom, you know, I think the secondary, it does do just enough, though. It does just I enough. I mean, it does. We're winning football <laughs> games. So, I mean, what really can you say? But, I mean, they're holding Louisville to 13 points was a win. Right. I will say, this is an offense that can score and score in volumes when they get hot. And there were times on Saturday night where Malik Cunningham was hot. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I think that the linebacking core and the front line just picks up enough slack to where it really doesn't matter. I agree. I agree. And I think that, 
it's weird to say it with all that they've lost up front, but that's just going to have to be the case. It's, I mean, it's going to have to because really there haven't been any incredible losses in the secondary as far as injuries, so this is just the best we got. Let's, let's look at the offense real quick. And, and let's just start off. Let's talk about Devin Leary. Is there, is there a quarterback as good as him that's as underrated as he is in college football? I, from what I have seen, no. But granted, I have never in my life been a huge college football person just because before coming to NC State, I wasn't even an NC State fan. Wow. I grew up a Duke fan. Wow. And that made college football season unbearable. <laughs> I did not watch many college football games growing up. So I've, I've been getting into it since my time at NC State. But no, from what I've seen, I think that Devin Leary is the best of the best in terms of underrated quarterbacks not really getting that national attention. Let's look at his stat line real quick, and we've we've droned on about this in our coverage and in our takeaways, but 25 for 36, 317 yards, four touchdowns, 69% completions, a 180.1 passer rating. I mean, what more can you ask for from a guy who's got a rushing game that is averaging, in this game, 1.8 yards a carry? I mean, Leary really did it all. Leary's the only reason... Well, okay, outside of Drake Thomas, that we won this football game. I think, obviously, a lot of struggles early on, but that offense really just turned it around in the past game in the second half, kind of figuring out where the holes were in this Louisville coverage and really taking advantage of it. Yeah, I, I want to thank Tim Beck for being a loyal listener of the pod. Yeah, because last absolutely. I did not see any jump passes, <laughs> which was nice. Yeah, last, last week, we, me and Tristan were talking, and we both were like, hey, need the running backs to get more involved in the yeah. pass game. Here we go. Yeah. Running backs are more involved. What do you know? It mm-hmm. works. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Timmy, for taking the advice. I, yeah, I don't charge know, for it. Tim Beck, whenever you want me up in the box, <laughs> I'll come help you out. Maybe a little run to the right every now and then, spice <laughs> things up. Look, I don't know, man. I think that maybe don't run anymore. I, I don't know how he's going to have to draw up these run plays, but this offensive line is not making holes. No. It is not. I really don't think you can put it on the running backs for not finding the holes that just aren't there. So often they're having to get to the edge on runs that aren't designed to get to the edge, and it's hurting this run game in massive ways because they just don't have the blockers out there to make the space for these guys. You had what you thought was your bread and butter with the run to the left, and then you lost Savala, <laughs> and now the run to the left isn't even hitting like it used to hit. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you go? I mean, you, you lean on Devin Leary. As they have been, and it has been working. The thing, my thing about the pass game with this team, outside of the drops and the sham plays every now and then that really should be going our way, it's just, it feels like it just takes a long time for them to figure it out in a game. I will say, maybe that's not an issue. In a game like Louisville, I think at some level, you just have to be happy they did. Yeah, no, (laughs) and I absolutely am. I absolutely am. Like, people are on Twitter, you know, when they started scoring in the fourth quarter, they're like, where where was that all game long? Right. I'm like, look, it's here now. <laughs> it's here <laughs> Just <now."> take it. <laughs> <laughs> because this was not a guarantee. Yeah, win. no, it absolutely was not. I was biting my nails the entire game leading up to the fourth quarter because I was not confident that, you know, we had a solid chance to pull this out, but we did. So It wasn't even just, you know, this is a tight game. It was just stagnant. You went into the fourth quarter, and it was a 10-3 game. Yeah. It wasn't exactly beautiful football being played. Uh, the crowd thinned out, you know, very noticeably. Yeah, it was boring. 
What? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't blame them. What kept you in the stands? Well, in a 10-7 to 7 ball game, I was – really, I just couldn't pick my jaw up from how well Louisville's defense was playing. Yeah. That is the last thing I expected <laughs> from any Louisville team ever. This is a school that has been, you know, kind of come into its own as an offensive powerhouse year in and year out based on the talent they kind of center around their dual-threat quarterbacks. But um, in a 10-7 to 7 ball game, going into the fourth, I just – I wanted to see something that I hadn't from the offense, and they – they showed up. I mean, 21 points in the fourth quarter. There you go. Are you sure it wasn't the threats from Barstool Pack? I am not the least bit threatened by anything Barstool Pack has to say. <laughs> All right. Um, is there anything that you want to hit in this game? I mean, I just, I'd just i love to see more from the run game. We know who Zonovan Knight is. We know who Ricky Person is. It doesn't make sense that they haven't figured it out. I mean, obviously, the lack of creating holes up front hurts. And, I mean, it, it is what it is, but if this team has any hope of kind of carrying on the momentum that it's got going for it right now, that's something that's just going to have to get figured out. And while I'm not too familiar with Florida State's run defense, I know that this – I have a strong feeling that this rush game is going to have a massive day against Wake Forest. And moving on to Florida State, talk about a team that has talent up front. Dave Doran is presser today. He really singled out two guys – Love it, and then Jermaine Johnson, the end, the transfer from Georgia. What do you think is going to be the key to this Florida State game? I mean, with how with how much the run game struggled against what's really just a lackluster Louisville front defensive line, I think it's going to be a Devin Leary day again, as it has been for the past couple of weeks now. It's going to take a massive day of him just hanging in the pocket, waiting for his guys to get open, and, and taking the hit as he throws as he did really well against Louisville, I will yeah. say. That, that's a tough ask, though. Yeah, I mean, you've a very got, tough ask. You've got two NFL guys that are going to be coming at him all day long. All day long. And honestly, I'm not certain that this O-line can hold up. I mean, against Miami, it did not have a good day. And I don't think that Miami's defensive line was as talented as this one is. At some point, the well is going to break. Yeah. And it's yeah. either going to be, hey, we finally figured out some way to get Devin maybe three yards a carry right. instead of one point. Right. Just a little bit of a sign of life just because I don't know if you can go into this game with only one way to run your offense. I mean, no, you absolutely can't. The, the thing about Florida State, what kept them in the game against Clemson is that they were doing it at all levels on defense. They were really limiting the pass from DJ, which a lot of teams have had success in this season. I do not know what is going on with that man. Oh, I can tell you. Yeah. He's a freshman. Yeah, I he's mean, a, kind of. He's a freshman. He had some time last year. He had some time last year, but last year he killed it, and most of his passes, his top receiver was ETN. He just kept throwing the ball to him. That's, yeah, I think, they're, they're definitely hurting without ETN. Yeah, I mean, this is a side point, so we're going to get back to Florida yeah, State. But of course. He, he's a freshman. Right. This is his first real year, and you're going from Trevor Lawrence to this. No, this, I, I, I don't know how Clemson fans put up with it. The same thing was happening with Kelly Bryant. Like, yeah, yeah every quarterback isn't God. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. <laughs> this is what everyone else has to deal les- with. Tough lesson, Clemson. Yeah. Get used to it. <laughs> Welcome to college football. But, um, no, I mean, you know, back to this game, yeah. They've got talent at all levels of that defense. They and, and They do. They can't hurt you. I think that they are a better team than their record shows. Absolutely. Absolutely. I came into this season, and I was really impressed with both Norvell. I was really impressed with Jermaine Johnson at the ACC kickoff, and I picked Florida State as NC State's surprising loss just because 
and it's a road trip. NC State's only won one road game this year, and it was to a Boston College team that's looking more and more and more suspect as the year goes on. I don't know if NC State can go on the road, play a team at its strength, at its best, at 100%, and come out with a win, especially as depleted as it is. Yeah, and in a hostile environment nonetheless. I mean, you look at the road games that NC State has played this year, all of them outside of Boston College really have been in hostile environments. I mean, Mississippi State, granted, probably one of the hardest places to play in college football. The Cowbells. I could not imagine the noise in that stadium. Miami, they play in hard rock, so it's it's kind of a gimme. Their fans are passionate, though. They they get loud despite how big that stadium is. And, I mean, Florida State, they're, they're Florida State. They've got, they've got a great fan base. They've got a loud stadium, and it's, it's going to be a hard one for NC State to play on the road there in Tallahassee. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think it's really going to come down to just how good is Jordan Travis. I mean, it's kind of nice, and Dorian mentioned this in his presser, it's nice going up against Malik Cunningham before you get Travis because you're already kind of in that mode of here's how we stop a running quarterback, here's what you need to do, you need to stay here, stay in these lanes, keep contained, all that good stuff. They've had a week of that already, so another week uh, is pretty helpful. But Jordan Travis is balling, man. People were wondering why Mackenzie Milton wasn't named the starter. Um, this is why. And Norvell stuck with him. He stuck with his guy, and I think he made the right decision. Guy is completing 63% of his passes. He has 11 touchdowns. He isn't the best at keeping you know, the ball in Florida State's hands. He's got five picks already this year uh, to those 11 touchdowns. Only averages uh, 116 pass yards a game. But I think it's really his legs that you worry about. Right. Averages 4.1 yards a carry, and that's with any sacks that happen to him being included in that number and has four touchdowns on the ground. I mean, what threat do you think he poses to NC State, and you know, how do you think they match up against this offense? I mean, you, you mentioned how NC State kind of got a preview with that with Malik Cunningham, but at the same time, they never really figured out how to stop Cunningham, on the ground at least. I, I mean, anytime he wanted it, to swing it wide with his feet, he did. He did. They made a crucial goal line stop there late in the game that proved to be one of the things that helped them turn it around in the end. But I think, I mean, Malik Cunningham was a good start, but there have to be a lot of takeaways to get ready for Jordan Travis, who is honestly probably a little more lethal with his legs than Malik is. I agree. And I, I think really the story of the game, to step back to Louisville for a little bit, Malik Cunningham – his completion percentage was 39. Yeah, no, not not fantastic. I think that Jordan Travis is a little better than that as a passer. Yeah. So you, you know, maybe won't be able to do what you did against Louisville where you essentially dared him to beat you downfield and he right. couldn't. Travis probably is going to hit a higher percentage of those deep shots yeah. and have your cornerbacks in hell. And our cornerbacks will probably let that happen. If we're being completely honest, I do not see us doing much stopping of the deep ball as much as I do trying to limit the opportunity to do so. I agree. I agree. And, you know, this will be a great week for the return of the defense from the start of this year. The defense that led the nation in third down percentage. It was 25. And in back-to-back games, they've allowed around 50. Yeah. Of course, injuries are going to play into that, but... When you're so injured and when you don't have that much depth, 
it becomes so much more important to force a third down and get off the field. I mean, it absolutely would. And any any time that you can give Devin Lear with the ball in his hands is any time that they can get ahead of the curve and figure it out sooner than they have been doing. But um, these, these third down stops are something that's just going to have to come back, especially as the season goes on. But looking especially at Florida State, this is an offense that is probably going to hurt us for a period of the game where we're going to have to slow the bleeding. Mm-hmm. And these third down stops are going to be how. I agree. I, I also think... And this is like my third straight week saying it, but mm-hmm. gotta get picks. This defense, Got to. this defense does Got not to. force fumbles. No. Um, so interceptions are the only option, yeah. pretty much. I, I think that whenever he takes the shot, it's gonna be less about can you get a pass deflection, and it's more about can you get a pick. Right. They should have been. They should have had three last week. Yeah. You might need two or three this week. Absolutely, and I mean. Outside of the obvious benefit of picking off the football and getting it back to your offense, you deter him from throwing that deep ball again, which is going to be huge for NC State to kind of keep this game in check. The only issue is even if you force them to not throw the deep ball, um, Florida State's got two real good running backs. Dave Doran said in his presser today that these are probably the best two running backs State's faced all year. One is Sean Corbin, Mm -hmm. who's averaging 7.5 yards a carry. The other is Treshawn Ward, averaging 7.1. They've got their <laughs> own thunder and lightning, except uh, apparently their line's blocking a little better for them. Yeah, I mean, I would say 7 is a lot more than 1.8, isn't it? <laughs> I think so. They combined for over, let's see, I can do math. I'm a comm major. Mm-hmm. Over 130 yards per game rushing. They've combined for eight touchdowns on the year. I mean, these are guys that can hurt you. But also, I think having two real good running backs and a running quarterback kind of plays into your hands if you're NC State because you want to have to stop the run. It does. It does. You can definitely scheme around that and kind of put not all of your eggs, but a lot of your eggs in the basket of stopping the run game, which is something that NC State did kind of struggle with last week. Early on in the game, there were times where Malik would break away for big yards on plays that he probably shouldn't have, and their running backs were getting out of closing holes and getting chunk plays out of plays that should be stopped, you know, three yards in. This is a big test for NC State. This yes. is the definition of a trap game. Yeah. If, <laughs> if Louisville was not the trap game, this certainly is. Absolutely. And I think it would be so anticlimactic to lose this game after riding the ship against Louisville, giving back that hope. But let's just, for a moment, pretend like we know things. Yeah. Which we, <laughs> we we try and figure that one out real quick. <laughs> What's your score prediction for this game? How, how do you think it turns out? In a score prediction, I really don't think that NC State wins a shootout here. I think that Florida State is too lethal too early on offense for NC State, and I think if State has any hope of coming out of this game with the win, they're gonna have to keep the score low. I'm saying maybe maybe we're looking at like a, a twenty eight to twenty four ball game. Something close. I don't think this game gets away from either team. I think they both have a lot of things coming into the week that they can definitely work on to sort of limit the other's offense. So I say somewhere somewhere in the 20s for each team, but uh, 28-24 is probably what I'm sticking with. You're going with who's your winner? I got to go NC State, man. As, as much as this game scares me, I have faith that somehow Doran's going to pull it out. I don't know. I, I respect that defense a little too much, and yeah. I think – the rushing attack will cause a bunch of problems for NC State. Um, 
I just I I don't know that I can predict a victory this week. But I do think the defense is going to come to play. I think that this is going to be – I'm going to say it's going to be a heartbreaker. I'm thinking a 14-13 game. 14-13 game where, you know, you just can't figure out how to move the ball. I think that this D-line is going to get to Leary just enough to where it's not going to be possible for him to just sit in there and make the throws yeah. because he's not going to have the time. So and that is that is definitely something that Leary has needed a lot of this season is time to let plays develop, not exactly hitting guys in mid route, but rather kind of at the top of their route. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Um, Leary's definitely a guy. Not a lot of anticipation there, which is, I mean, it's college. You, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's understandable. Yeah, but, but against a defense like this, it's he's it is gonna it, it is gonna hurt. Yeah, it is. Um, so last week. We were looking at the defense, like, hey, what can you do? Right. I think this week it's this O line. Yeah. Do something. Yeah, you know that please. meme? <laughs> you know that please. meme with the stick? Yes. yes. <laughs> do please. something. Poke this everyone is... <laughs> that's not icky. Like, yeah, I mean, I the biggest thing to me is I've been shocked at Grant. Yeah. Grant has been first of all, he hasn't impressed me really that much in, in run support. Mm-hmm. I think it's been fine in, in pass support. Yeah. But just the penalties. Three in the past two games on either snap infractions or false starts. Like, dude, what are you doing? I mean, snap infractions are always pretty unexcusable. Yeah. That's just, that's a horrible penalty to They're get. They're so random, yeah. too, and to have two in two straight weeks. Yeah, that's, that's not a good sign. It's but, weird. Uh, I mean, outside outside of the penalty play, this, this run blocking just has to improve if NC State I agree. has any hopes of even sniffing the ACC championship game. Correct. Let's go ahead and pretend that they win this game. Let's pretend that you're right. (laughs) I'm wrong, as per usual. They win this game. Wake Forest to decide the ACC Atlantic. Well, how would you feel about that? I mean, I would would love it, man. NC State, Wake Forest to decide an ACC championship appearance. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? It'd be it'd be a fantastic it'd be a fantastic thing for both schools. I am anticipating a win at Florida State. I already bought my tickets for Wake Forest. I'm excited to get down there nice. and watch the game. Yes, sir. But, I mean, you really couldn't write it up any better than this. I mean, I, yeah, Technician will be going down to cover this game. I think that this game is set up for NC State to win. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a road game, but that place is going to be filled with red. Oh, it's, it's going to be red all the way through. It, it might just be 50-50. I don't know. The, the, students for, the students for Wake have been showing out recently. Really? 80, 80% of their enrollment showed up to the last. That's how few students they have. That's funny because <laughs> when I was buying my tickets, I have a friend that goes to Wake Forest, and they were telling me that they're not even checking tickets for the student section, so you can just walk in because apparently not enough people are showing up. To that makes it. sense. I, yeah. I think I think what's happening with Wake is kind of like, were, were you following along with that Kansas, the Kansas situation? Game? Yeah, where they that were was like, fantastic. Look, the gates are open. Yeah, just please, please come, come in. Come. Yeah. I think that's what Wake should do. Yeah, I mean, you're a top 10 football team yeah. for no good reason. Yeah. Let everyone come they watch while stop, they can. Stop the people wearing red, of course. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> if you're in black, absolutely come in here and, and, and watch us lose. Um, yeah, I, I think that that's a game that's set up for NC State. It is. Um, I, while I'm not absolutely certain of NC State's all-time record versus Wake Forest, in recent years I feel like NC State has definitely gotten the best of them more often than not. I feel like NC State sort of just has the keys on how to stop that high-volume offense. 
And Wake Forest is a team that really has not played a dirty in the trenches defense yet. Wake Forest, I mean, I don't want to speak too soon. I'm looking at the schedule right now. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I don't think they played a good team. Well, they do have UNC this week. They have UNC this week, right? Yeah. So they ha- so they that, would have to get through UNC. Yeah. But I who mean, else, who else is on that schedule? Okay, so they started the year with Old Dominion. They're Norfolk State, Florida State. Okay, well, I mean, had a Florida, big win there. Florida State. That's the one. That, but I do not think the Florida State in Week Three is correct. Close to the Florida State we're seeing. Correct. In the upcoming week, beat Virginia at Virginia. That's a solid win. That's a solid win, and that was a blowout. Yeah. Only beat Louisville by three. So, if yeah. you want to compare head to head, that's very important. Only beat Syracuse by three. In overtime. That's a tough one. But to be fair to Syracuse, they have certainly been looking better this year than they have in recent years. Syracuse is better. Syracuse is better. I don't know that the top 10 team should only win by three, though, against Syracuse. Well, I don't know if Wake Forest should be a top 10 team, but that's, that's a great That's a conversation <laughs> for another day, I suppose. <laughs> All right. Then they had Army beat them by 14, but gave up 56 About, points. Yeah, that's, that is one of the games <laughs> that speaks to me as to how NC State can pull this out. Yeah. And then Duke, but I'm sorry to your in, inside Duke fan. Duke Duke sucks. Listen, I picked them to win over Kansas, and Kansas absolutely obliterated them. I hate Duke <laughs> football. I hate Duke University. <laughs> Coach K, I still love you. You're still my guy, but everybody else can go. Great answer. So, I, I don't know. I think that, first of all, college game day should be at that game. Yeah, I, I would think with the implications that that game has for the ACC as a whole and both of these teams' season – and even a week here, a win here this week could have both teams ranked with NC State crawling into the top 25. I mean, I think I think it'd be a great place for college game day to be. Well, let's let's talk about rankings and let's bring that respect word back. What is this? What is this, AP poll? What is this? There's there's a lot of questions here. I mean, me and you were going over it briefly before we started up the podcast, and we were talking about how that 20 to 25 range is kind of no man's land. Obviously, I think that for me personally, I think that Pitt and NC State should definitely both be in there somewhere. Two lost teams, sure, but we've seen them at their best. And I think that both of these teams could compete to the highest degree with anyone in this 20 to 25 range. Agreed. I, I'm going to go ahead. People asked me earlier, uh, like this season, when I would post my ballot weekly, they're like, are you doing this for attention? I was not. I was just doing it for transparency. I forgot to do it this week, though, but I'm going to do this for attention. I have NC State ranked. Yeah. (laughs) I have NC State State ranked, too. 22. Pitt, 21. I think that it's ridiculous that you have teams that have, A, actually played Power 5 teams and have two losses to Power 5 teams. Well, one for Pitt. They've got that Western Michigan loss. But to throw those teams out of the top 25 – Put in a Houston team that I'm pretty sure who did they beat? They beat some team that was not very good. Yeah. They're seven and one with an extremely weak schedule. Yeah. To put in Coastal Carolina, who has not looked the part at all and lost to App. That just feels like that just feels like retributions for last season. Yeah. Keeping them so low for a team that went undefeated. To put in SMU after a loss. Did SMU lose to Houston? They did, yeah. I think that's what... Yeah, neither of those teams should be ranked. If your only good win is SMU, absolutely not. To put in Louisiana Lafayette over Pitt, over NC State, over a Wisconsin team whose only losses are to teams ranked in the top 25, 
I mean, that's that's ridiculous. I'm going to go ahead and say it. That's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And I've always been weird about the AP poll because I think a lot of people view it as a power ranking. And I always have not. I've always seen the AP poll as more of a who have you played, who have you beat, and more of a straight record thing because in conversations of, well, this team is better than that team. Why is the other team ranked higher? You could do that all day. And it would get exhausting, which I have plenty of thoughts about for the top 10 teams. But sort of looking at the bottom, I mean, obviously, one-loss teams have that slight advantage over a two-loss team, but I think that Pitt and NC State just have better wins. I think they deserve to be there more. NC State beat a team that was in the top 10 when they beat them in number nine, Clemson. And obviously, Clemson isn't who they were expected to be, but a win over a number nine team is always going to be a win over a number nine team. Correct. And, and more than that, I mean, NC State beat them, beat BC. Um, who else did they beat? Clemson, Boston College, your loss to Miami knock you out, but then your loss to Miami immediately got better because they beat Pitt. Yeah, and because Pitt lost to Miami and it knocked them out. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. You lost to Mississippi State, sure, yeah. but Mississippi State has looked pretty dang good, Spence. They are fourth in AP poll votes, so they're sitting at number 29 in the poll. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a good chance by the end of the year that's a ranked loss, yeah. and it's a ranked road loss. Yeah. I, I, I just don't. I don't see it, and I think what you're going to see come Tuesday, which is when the first college football playoff rankings come out, there's going to be a big disparity between that poll and this one. Yeah, I would imagine so. With the back end, and I'm going to touch on the top ten a little bit, Cincinnati at two, ridiculous. I love it. You love Cincinnati at two? I love Cincinnati at two. I think that they have earned every bit of it, and they're going to have to keep proving it. You know, They've got games coming down the stretch. That are going to be important. I want to point out right now, Cincinnati has two good wins: Indiana and Notre Dame. And I'm not impressed with Notre Dame. Well, I mean, when is anybody ever impressed with Notre Dame? But That's true. They, they still hold that ranking. <laughs> I, I just don't, I don't I don't think you can look at Cincinnati and honestly tell me Michigan State is my three. I think that there's no way you could say they're better than Michigan State. I think even Oklahoma with Caleb with Caleb Williams, yeah, looks better than Cincinnati right now. It's, That's that's fair. Part of, so I think, Part of it's the eye test. Part of it's the eye test. Yeah, the eye test is definitely important here. And I think in terms of a college football poll, Cincinnati would definitely borderline my four seed with a team like Ohio State right now, where Georgia has clearly locked up the one for the time being. They're going to have to earn it come the end of the season with the SEC championship and whatnot. And I think in the two, you probably sneak Michigan State up there right now with the quality of wins they have and the schedule that they're going to have to play for the rest of the season. They're going to have to earn it. And I think Oklahoma comes in at number three. But I think that 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 four spot is Cincinnati's to take alongside an Ohio State team who has been rolling with C.J. Stroud. He's looking fantastic over the past couple of weeks. And Big Ten team, they're going to have to prove it down the road. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I think one right now, Georgia. Two, Michigan State. Three, Oklahoma. I think it's going to be hard for them to leave Bama out, though. It's going to be difficult. I, I think a, that It's a bad loss. It really is. It is a it is a bad loss. But A and M, I don't know where they're ranked in the AP poll. They are thirteenth right now. I have them at six and two. I have them at eleven. I I think that right now it doesn't look too bad. The SEC is going to cannibalize itself even more though, and it's going to look worse. Right. But that's a decent A and M team. No, I mean it absolutely is. They're Texas A and M. They're always pretty good, you know. But I mean, seven and one Alabama to a seven and one Ohio State who is currently at number six in the AP poll, and their loss 
What's the number seven, Oregon? I also think that Oregon's overrated. I do think, I do also think that Oregon may be ranked a little high at seven, especially with that Stanford loss. But, but the other thing is, I, I think that there's two noticeable drop-offs in the AP poll. One comes after about six or seven. One comes after about 19, 20. Because who do you rank at seven? I don't like Oregon, but I don't like Notre Dame. I put Michigan at seven because I, I would think probably Michigan's give high. it to Michigan as well. I think that Michigan kind of got the bad end of the stick in their game with Michigan State, given John Harbaugh's record on the road over the course of his career. It's it was not to call it a trap game for them because Michigan State's a very good football team who absolutely deserved to win that game. They just played better, but Michigan was always going to struggle in that game. I think they're still the same team that they were going into it. I I do always hate when people drop a team super far for losing to another good team. Yeah. And then, like, okay, how do you, you know, move Michigan State up to five, but you move Michigan down to nine? Like, how many teams are going to play Michigan State better than Michigan just did? Yeah. I don't think Notre Dame does. Absolutely. I don't think Oregon does. I think Ohio State, you could probably make an argument, but. I think Ohio State will. I think that Ohio State's probably going to come on top in that game. Probably. Probably. But they've got that loss, so you kind of have to respect that that zero next to Michigan State's name, so I get it. You do. You do have to respect that zero next to the name, and that's my biggest thing with the AP poll is that the record comes first. And that's why Wake's in the top ten right now. It is. It is. <laughs> it is. And that's where the logic is a little flawed because we all know that Wake is not the 10th best football team in the country. We're all very aware of that. But based on the record, they've earned that spot. So it's theirs until they lose it. Let's transition from this talk into – some bold predictions. I love a good bold prediction. For this Florida State game. You got any fire that you're just sitting on that you think is going to happen in this game? I mean, Devin Leary loves throwing four touchdowns in a game. Okay. I My score prediction was 28-24. I see Devin Leary throwing all four of those. Really? I do. Okay. I do. And I think that Devin Carter is probably going to have a big game. I do. I think that his size is a very, very valuable asset coming against this Florida State secondary. And I think, you know, we saw a big improvement with his hands against Louisville. I think he's a man on a mission right now. You know, he loves to prove the haters wrong. He did it last week. I think he carries on with that trend. I have Carter getting in the end zone at least once Mm. and probably receiving over 100 yards, I'm going to say it. I think think Carter has a 100-yard day. Someone leads uh, Team Devin Carter. I I didn't know you were a stan. I'm not. I (laughs) was very, very irate with him after that Miami game. But I believe him. I mean, he's he does have that physical prototype to go up and make big plays, given the, the size of a receiver he is. And I think that he's really the only guy that provides that utility in NC State's wideout room. I like the pick, mm-hmm. especially four touchdowns from Devin. I, I can see, and even the idea of him throwing all, all of NC State's touchdowns. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, I'm going to go then on the other side of the ball. And I'm going to shout out a player who played lights out in By Jones. By Jones had a great, great day against Louisville. And I think he's going to get three sacks in this Florida State I would love to see it. And I think that'll lead the team. I think that he's going to play a big, big role in keeping Travis in the pocket, keeping him from kind of having those big gains Mm -hmm. and shutting down that side of their rushing attack. Uh, so I'm going to go with three sacks for him, and I think that leads to team. I like that pick. Uh, I think that Drake Thomas definitely gets involved in the backfield, though. I would probably have Drake Thomas coming out of this matchup with more quarterback pressure. Sacks specifically, I don't know. Obviously, Vi Jones is going to get a lot more opportunity to get hands on a Florida State's quarterback, but I think that 
Drake Thomas is obviously going to lead the team in tackles again. That's not a bold prediction at all. It seems like there's something in the water for these middle linebackers in NC State that just turns them into tackling monsters. And I think that Tanner Ingle gets mossed at least three times. <laughs> at least three? At least three times. At some point, they're going to have to sub him out. I, I, for whatever reason, I just think that his feet are glued within the lines of the playing field. <laughs> I don't think that they bring him out, but I just I think that Tanner Ingle is going to have a rough day in coverage. Yeah, I, I think if he, if they specifically target him, yeah. And I think that, I think that they will. Between him and Aiden White, I think that they're going to play to their weaknesses a little bit. I, I think if they do go after Aiden White, I say he gets at least one. Yeah, yeah, I can see Aiden White coming out coming out with a turnover this game. He's kind of got the Kyle Pitts, or not Kyle Pitts. Uh, what's his name? Tri- wow, I was completely Trayvon wrong. Diggs. Trayvon Diggs. Trayvon yeah. Diggs. <laughs> that Trayvon Diggs vibe to him where, you know, you can throw at him and you're going to complete a good amount, and that's why they keep doing it. But also you're taking that gamble of he might He, he can might make you it. pay. Mm-hmm. He absolutely can make you pay. Yep, for sure. But let's just hope he tries and keeps him in check a little more than he did with Charleston. Right. Well, it's Charleston Rambo in his defense. It is. <laughs> it is. But Charleston Rambo had not looked like Charleston Rambo to that point in the season. And for whatever reason, he turned it on against Aiden White. So. All right. Well, that is all that we have for y'all today. Come back next week, and we'll see who is right between me and Wade. Who gets the dub? It's probably going to be Wade. I'm not going to lie. Um, but thanks for joining us. I've been your host, Jalen Harrington. And I've been assistant sports editor Wade Bowman. And we'll talk to y'all next week. See you.